0: Welcome to Your Teen with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. And we're the
1: co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens.
0: And today we're talking with our friend Leanne Dolan, creator and host of Satellite Sisters. Yay, Steph. Yay. It's like a dream come true. Satellite Sisters is a talk show that Leanne produces with her four real sisters. She's also done a bunch of other incredible projects. But before we get to that, we're going to take a minute to talk about our sisters. We each have a sister. I was just with mine this weekend in Nashville.
1: I was thinking it's all fresh in my head. Go for it. Okay. Well, so my sister is definitely the best thing my parents ever gave me. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if she would have said the same of me when I came along three and a half years after she was born. But she's the middle. We have an older brother. And she was always the, the mediator just always that person that, my I guess my brother used to tell my mother that he would if she left him alone with me, he would kill me. So my sister kind of saved my life, I think. You owe her a I lot. I owe her a lot. I owe her a lot. It's funny. Yeah, it is funny we both have a sister. But I was also thinking, you have three daughters, so they all have sisters. I only have one daughter, and I often feel very, very sad about that.
0: How about a cousin? Like, does that replace it? A cousin helps, but I think it's so different. Well, I was thinking, what are my stories with my sister? I do adore my sister. She lives in Israel. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. And yet we do manage to see each other a good amount. I have a story that doesn't make me look good, but I'm willing to do that for the (laughs) pleasure of others. So when we were kids, I even remember what was going on. We were sitting in my parents' bed. We were eating a TV dinner, which we found to be the most exciting (gasps) thing. Um, And I can smell that as you say it. And there were tater tots like one of the you know how it was divided into sections for what you were eating. And and I had finished my tater tots and I wanted one of hers (laughs) and somehow felt entitled to it. And she didn't agree with me. And so we got into this tussle, which ended with her having a black eye. And oh. it wasn't the result of a punch. I will tell you that there was no punch. Oh taken. yeah, cuz tater tots can cause a black eye.
1: Those no, high velocity was, tater no, tots. Okay. I've been hit
0: by them before. It's so dangerous. <laughs> All right, now you're being mean. It was <laughs> it wasn't like an intentional take my fist and punch somebody, but mm. she ended up with a black eye. And that sister of mine told my parents she fell. Is that love? <gasps> that is that the best? Wait, does your mother know that story like today? She probably doesn't remember any single part of it, actually. Oh, that is ri- that is love.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Oh, she's the best. She, she oh, is the Ellen. best. Mm. Yeah. We should de- we should dedicate this episode to Ellen and Suzanne. Oh, that's
0: lovely. Yes, to the, to our love sisters. I Yay. know, they're the best.
1: It's funny. I was making some notes as I was thinking about today, and I it was funny. I was listening to something that Leanne said about um she was interviewed on something and she said, you know, the best part about having four sisters is that if one of them makes a comment you don't like, you just call one of the other sisters and talk, talk behind her back. And I thought that was so funny. And I was thinking about just the bond that sisters have. And I remember a friend of mine who has the same family, two girls and a boy. She and her sister are super tight. And her sister, unfortunately, had, and she's doing well right now, but her sister had been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. And her first thought was, oh, shoot, who am I going to talk about my brother with? Because she would always call her sister. like that to complain. was complain. Yeah, to complain. Yeah.
0: Fortunately, that did not play out that way. She still has her sister Fortunately, to talk to. that yeah. did
1: not play out that way. But what I, okay, here's a funny thing, and I don't think we've ever talked about this with you and Ellen. So as Suzanne and I have aged, it freaks our kids out how much we sound alike, our mannerisms, the things just, how we'll shake our heads, how we'll look at them, they're like, you
0: guys are the same. So my nieces were visiting, and they were mm. flipping out because our <laughs> voices and mannerisms. And by the way, nothing about us ever looked the same, but apparently we look the same now. Same, yeah. So same. So people
1: meet Suzanne and I. My mom
0: has always said, "You that, don't look. You look the same."
1: Oh, people think we look the same, but she's well, the curly-haired ah, version. So, yeah. like, people see us, like, "Oh my God, you guys are identical." My mother's like, "Really?" Because Suzanne, I mean, as dark as I am, Suzanne's much darker than I am, Um, and she's got crazy curly hair, but she tells this funny story. Sometimes she'll get her hair straightened, and we were just retelling this story over the weekend. She came home from the hairdresser, and one of the kids was probably like eight or nine. I think it was my nephew, Ben, and Ben looked at her, and he said, you look like a freak.
0: You look like Aunt Steffi. Uh, Are you flattered? (laughs) It was all one (laughs) sentence. (laughs) You look like a
1: freak. You look like Aunt Steffi.
0: All right, I have have a ton more stories because I reminisced with my sister today Mm. to kind of... But this one... It's so funny, and maybe doesn't make her come out the best, but okay. we laugh about it now. And so you'll that's be okay, even right? after the other story, I think. It's true, but we have yeah. many that are just mutually joyful. Okay. But this one, she lives in Israel, and her, it was her daughter's bat mitzvah, so the whole family was there, like all four siblings and their kids and grandparents. And we were all taking a trip to Masada, which is this mountain that you climb, and we're waiting for the tour guide, and the tour guide isn't there, and my sister is... Flipping out. But like in a, in a loud, <laughs> embarrassing way that you want to disassociate yourself. And she's a grown-up now, not like the tater Tot story. She was a grown-up. Yep. I, in wanting to be the best aunt, made T-shirts for everybody for her bat mitzvah. And so we are all wearing these T-shirts together, and we cannot walk <gasps> oh my far God, enough that- <laughs> away to look like we don't belong to her. <laughs> Okay, that's a great story. Yeah, that was fun. But she brought it up today, so we've gotten past the embarrassment of it and just found laughter in it. Oh, that is funny. So the
1: other thing I was thinking that the kids make fun of us besides mannerisms and all that is our food sharing. So we'll look. at we'll be in a restaurant. Menus are placed on the table within thirty seconds. A the the kids say a deal goes down. That Suzanne and I look at each other. We're like, half of that. Do you want to? Okay, done. So we have, like, the same taste buds, right? Like, the same things appeal to us on the menu. And the kid's are like, you guys are always food sharing. I'm like, okay, we did grow up in the same household with, you know, mashed potatoes from a box and beets from a can. So, like— And do you have, order
0: that now, or you order—you've you, gotten well, more sophisticated. Well, I did not
1: know that beets actually came from the ground. Did you know they
0: are a vegetable? <laughs> I also I, only saw them in a can. <laughs> yes,
1: I love them. And I, I did not know—I mean, I don't know how I married into this potato-loving family of my husband's. I don't know why they took me, but— Apparently, mashed potatoes do not come from a box. They're not flakes. They are not flakes. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> up next is our conversation with Leanne. We cannot wait for her to join us.
1: Our guest is someone that I have followed since the year 2000 that I absolutely adore. And in fact, when I met my business partner, we were asked the question, if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? And I said, I would be a Satellite Sister. So it's coming full circle. Leanne Dolan is a writer and broadcaster. She is the creator and host of Satellite Sisters, the award-winning talk show she produces with her four real sisters. She also created the popular podcast about modern motherhood, The Chaos Chronicles. Lian is the author of two best-selling novels, Helen of Pasadena and Elizabeth the First Wife, and a regular columnist for Pasadena Magazine. And we are so happy to have you on the show today.
2: Hey, Sue and Steph, I am really happy to be here since two thousand. That's really old school. Man. I know, aren't I? I said it was. It was podcasting before it was podcasting. <laughs> that's right? exactly right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's start with the sisters. There is there is five of you. There is descriptions given for each one of you. So Sheila's a little off center. Monica's quiet. I only saw that Julie is the oldest. What what words go around Julie? And I yeah, think- we
2: always refer to her as like the classic big sister. You know, she's very free to give advice. She's traditional. <laughs> you know, she wants things to be right, and she's you know just a touch a martyr, just a touch, just a <laughs> okay, touch. Okay, that's Tiny funny. Touch. And then and Liz, which I love, this one is super bossy. Yeah. And she's also the boss. Like she she's often the boss in her work life. So, so it goes it's, together. It fits her personality. <laughs> so. Okay, so but Leon, you're the
0: sassy one. Yeah, I guess I am. That's right. what you've been called. So I wondered how does it feel to be given a label? And are you all happy with the label you've been given?
2: Well, we wrote our own labels. So it's different than having someone label you, you know, with all the press stuff and everything. But I you know, I'm happy with mine. we have five girls in our family, but also three boys. So I was the youngest of eight kids. So like, if I didn't speak up and be sassy and have something interesting to say, literally no one cared what I said, you know, so that is a a piece of my personality that I learned to develop early on. So I was just grateful to be recognized in any way possible. And my mom used to call me the smart mouth, which I think sassy is just a nicer version of smart mouth. I like both of those. (laughs) frankly i I think
0: stephanie and i can both identify with both of those um but you did write about being the youngest and um and i just i'm not the youngest i'm the middle in my family but i just sent my youngest off to college and so everything you wrote about like it's just so true in my house you call yourself the neglected jaded free-range youngest sibling in a big family that's a good line i did that (laughs) you did that was your line
1: do you want to hear it again
0: <laughs> and the the favorite thing you that you said was high levels of proficiency in laundry, sandwich making, entertaining oneself and waiting. And that that is my youngest of five's life. You just summed it up.
2: Right. I mean, that's it. You know your place. And and the good thing is no one's really paying attention to you for giant chunks of your life. So you can kind of get away with stuff and explore things and and do things. And I think that's great. Like it makes you very self-sufficient when people start to actually look at you. I mean, I have a distinct memory When my number seven, my brother, who was three years older, went off to college, and I was a sophomore in high school, and my parents looked at me like I was sitting alone having dinner with them for the first time ever in my life, (laughs) having dinner alone, and they were asking me questions like – who are your friends? And <laughs> what classes do you take? And I was like, that seems kind of personal. I mean, I've made it this far with that, that sort of
1: inquiry. So well, I think those are better I, I, questions I, I, than who's this woman sitting, who's this young lady sitting at the table?
2: Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, it wasn't quite that bad, but <laughs> I thought it was a place with a lot of freedom. I enjoyed that position in the family. Now, other babies in the family are really babied. But that was not my scenario. It sounds like you did not baby your number five. No, so. in fact,
0: when he left, we kind of had to look at each other and say, who's making dinner? Because he often cooked for us.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good boy. Uh, yeah. I
1: know. I miss him. Well, yeah. uh, I am the baby, I'm, but I'm the baby of three. And I think that's obviously different than being the baby of eight, I would say. But some of it still holds true. Like, and I can see it with my third too, right? They're they're just much more self-sufficient and frankly, just better adjusted. Yeah. And usually, and, pre- and all, no, they really are because they've, like, Sue said, said the youngest. Said the youngest. The youngest. And <laughs> also, sharpest tongue and sharpest wit. That's all I'll say. Okay. So, you know, I know um, you and your sisters made this decision to never talk about your childhood on Satellite Sisters, but how about today at your teen with Sue and Steph? Just throw us a bone. Yeah. One little
2: story. Well, one little. You know, it wasn't so much that we wanted to never talk about it, but we didn't want this. this the show to be nostalgic Mm. you know we didn't want it to be all about memory Uh, we wanted it to be about our contemporary lives so you know we don't want it to be cute stories from our childhood. That, so that that's sort of how we thought about that. Like, we'd like to talk about the here and now. But, you know, over the years, I mean, it's been a long time now. Things seep out. You know, we were able to talk a lot about our parents on the show. They both died. My mom died seven years ago. My dad died shortly after. But the last years of their lives, we talked about what that experience is, was like. And and so things filtered back to our childhood. But, you know, we lived in a house that was— or a household where, you know, my mom ran with, I don't want to say an iron fist, but it was, it was a very organized house. When you're from a big family, there are two ways to go complete chaos or complete <laughs> order, you know, like you, your parents have to make that decision. And we saw big families in chaos, you know, where just dinner was like a loaf of bread and peanut butter and jelly, you know, and figure it out. And, but my mother, like, we always had to be home at 530 to set the table for dinner at six. Like we had a big family dinner every night of our childhood. And, you know, we went to Mass every Sunday morning. And, you know, we uh, we raked the leaves. Like, they were basically falling from the tree. And she had us out there raking the leaves. Like, we just had a pretty ordered house. So for us, it was still a lot of fun. Out of all that order came a lot of fun for the kids. I mean, I loved being one of eight. It was, I loved my older brothers and sisters. It seemed like they had very glamorous lives, you know, going <laughs> into New York or going off to college or getting their first jobs. I felt like I had sort of, you know, seven really interesting role models ahead of me. So well, six. And then my brother, Brendan, who I just fought with. But other than that, I was it was a super fun family to grow up in.
1: What's your age range top to bottom total number of years? There's a 13 year age difference between me and my oldest brother. Yeah, that's a lot of pregnancy. That is my (laughs) Wait, My brother in law. And Sue knows this. My sister's married to a guy. He is the he's your position. Eighth of eight over 10 years
2: yeah that she was always know, it's a lot. I mean yeah. my mom did have a couple of miscarriages, so, so again, she didn't really talk about any of that. Yeah, Yeah, you know, really, when she—I mean, eight kids is just a lot. It doesn't really even matter (laughs) what the year split is, really. It's just a lot. And did you
0: did you replicate the rigidity, or if there's another word you prefer, in your
2: household with your kids? It was more order than—I mean, rigidity. You know, I there were some really good parts of it. I mean, I liked having dinner every night with my family, and we really tried to do that with my sons. Are now twenty-one and twenty-four. You know, modern life seems. little bit harder because every sports practice is scheduled at dinner time, which is a terrible idea, but that's what happens and things like that. But we really when we sat down to dinner, we sat down to dinner. Right. I I think we did a lot of learning around that dinner table growing up and I, I feel like I replicated that with my sons. Yeah, I mean a, a lot of propriety, you know. Actual napkins at the table, like trying to be pleasant to each other. You know, take <laughs> your, you know, take your elbows off the table. Some manners, you know, but also a sense of fun. Uh, a, you know, a sense that things can be funny and warm. I, I did try to replicate some of that. I was not as uptight about cleaning their rooms. Like, after a oh. certain point, I'm like, your room is your room. I'm never going in. So I'm right there with there. you. So yeah. uh, I just closed closed the that my mother Learning. felt like personally wounded if we didn't make our bets. But the that door, was not right? one thing I wanted to replicate.
1: Okay, so you talked about how there was a certain order to the family. How about as far as, you know, it sounds like everybody re- gets along. Is that true? You guys all get along?
2: Yeah, Nobody I know we fights? all get along. You know, I mean, we're, yeah, everybody gets along. The thing <laughs> Again, with a big family, is like if you, if you have an issue with, you know, number three, you just go talk to number five and number six. About. I love that. Like there's, <laughs> you know, you work it out, but it doesn't have to be in public in a loud way. So, I mean, I think we genuinely like each other, but we do have different lives. We're not in each other's lives all the time. And I think that's a good thing. Like we have a healthy balance of time with our family, but also time with our friends and time with our spouses and our own family. So... I think that was actually really healthy. You know, I mean, I worked very closely with my sisters, but if we all had to go to the same office every day, we we might've killed each other. But the (laughs) fact that we lived all over the place, actually, I think sustained our relationship and made the show a lot more fun. But yeah, in general, we all try to get along because that was like literally what my mom used to say all the time is can't you just try and be pleasant? Like that was her A number one. (laughs) You know, rule, can you just try and be pleasant? (laughs) Like, you don't have to be pleasant. Just give it a try. So I think we've sort of been able to maintain that. And you've said that the secret is to check your ego at the door. <laughs>
1: wow. I did? No, I mean <laughs> Wait a minute. Again this is Land uh, Dolan, right? <laughs> you're really digging up some quotes, man. You
0: did some research. We've spent a lot of hours together, you and I.
2: <laughs> I think My business um, partner's a sleuth. Again, I think this idea of the big family One thing you learn very early on is, like, you are not the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Like, no one cares, really, what you do on a day-to-day basis. You know, they care if you show up at dinner, but just in general, keep your nose clean and, and no one cares. And once you figure out you're not the center of the universe, that's a pretty healthy thing to figure out. And so then 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 ego, you know, goes along with that, that you just you just can't proceed with a giant amount of ego if you're not the center of the universe.
0: OK, so your bestselling book, Helen of Pasadena, I think it came out in 2010. Isn't yes.
2: Right?
0: You were on a hunt to find a Helen of Pasadena, which was very charming.
2: Did you ever find one? I have found several women actually named Ellen of Pasadena. Yeah, they would show up at book signings afterwards. But that was, yeah, before the book came out, I did a little video to promote it. And I was like wandering around town with a sign, like an idiot, like what you'll do to promote your novel.
0: Did they at least get a free copy of the book or something? No, no, no
2: free copies. No, no free copies. Come on. the other secret. <laughs> Come on. A number one rule. That's true. For any writer, no free copies, man. But I would put a special note inside if you're a real of Pasadena. So I That's know I cute. signed a lot of, you know, to Helen of Pasadena. So That's awesome. But, all right. Yeah. So back
1: to what we do all the what, what we are all about. And to your point, you know, sticking to what we do and what we know best, which is parenting. So your younger son's still in college, correct? Yes, he's okay. a senior. Oh, a mm-hmm. senior. Okay. All right. And your older one?
2: My older one is out. He's 24. He's a freelance photographer here in Los Angeles. Okay.
1: So he lives near home. Is the other one near home in college or further away?
2: No, he goes to school in uh, Washington State.
1: Oh, uh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. All right. It doesn't I, matter.
2: I, I don't care. I mean, it didn't like... like. <laughs> I, I, All right. No, and that sums up parenting. No. All right. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, when they're gone, they're gone. I don't really understand... Like, under, I went to college 3,000 miles away from where I grew up, like on the other coast. So I'm a big believer, at, like it's a great time. College is a great time to go live someplace else and experience that and have someone else pay for it. Like that's so great because when you graduate, you're on your own. So good luck with that. It did not matter to me where they went. My my older son happened to go to a school very close to our house because it was the best school for what he wanted to do. He's a photographer and he went to Art Center It's a good photography program, particularly really interested in cars so it was very specific not because he didn't want to leave home but yeah go be free
0: <laughs> how would you <laughs> describe yourself as a parent like did you fall into the helicopter parenting or the free range like who who were you as a um, day-to-day mom?
2: I was probably halfway between those two. I definitely was not a helicopter parent. That just is not my vibe. I think, again, formed by my own parenting, by by my own parents, my own childhood. Like, I learned a lot on my own. And I felt like it was a good way to learn. So I actually found with two kids, with only two kids, I paid, like, way too much attention to them. Like, I (laughs) just—I thought, well, this is just—of course I can do all these things for them because I don't have six other kids. So I really— purposely tried to pull back. You know, I tried to provide safety and guidance and, you know, be there if they needed me, but I I was definitely not a helicopter parent. And my husband is definitely not the helicopter parent. So he was a, he was a softening influence there. How many is he from? He just has two. He's one brother. So he's from a smaller family. Okay. But, you know, we, we both sort of believed in kids figuring out their own thing you know, in a healthy environment, you know, in a supportive, healthy environment, but, you know, trying to do your own thing. And it's hard, as you know, not to hover over your kids and make sure everything goes smoothly. That's actually, you have to physically decide not to do that. Like, okay, and and some of it is accepting, like, well, okay, I guess they're going to be – terrible math students. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But like, I'm not going to do their math homework, or I'm not going to write their English papers. This is their, you know, their Spanish test to fail. And that that's not easy. It's pretty easy to step in and do some of these things sometimes. But I wasn't completely free range. Like, again, be home for dinner, please wash your hands, you know, put on a collared shirt when you see your grandmother like that, you know, I, I believe in things like that. Wow, I don't think we've heard about the collared shirt yet, but that's a good one. Yeah. Physic
0: <laughs> well, grandma sure. with a
1: collared shirt. What's the best advice you've given your kids? Oh, boy.
2: Um, we have them on the line. We're going to ask them. No, no I I'm kidding. know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying mm-hmm. to— The best advice, that's a big one. Because, you know, it's a constant barrage of advice that I'm (laughs) giving them. So much good advice. It's hard to really pick out the best one. How do you pick just one, right? uh, 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 I have always really believed it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you do love it and you are good at it you know, that's not exactly a snappy piece of advice, but I think we've seen a lot of kids who feel pigeonholed to go to this college or do this with their life or do X, Y, and Z with their lives, or they're gonna get that scholarship. This college admission scandal, I think, has really sort of blown those stories wide open about parents who decide what is the best future for their children and instead of, you know, letting their children decide what is the best future. So I have let my kids figure out what they wanna do. With, with that. And they both have sort of pursuing creative careers, which wasn't my goal. i was kind of surprised, frankly, at both of that. I feel like they're in the right place, and they're doing the right thing. And sometimes you have to kind of, you know, you, you can't tell them what to do. It doesn't, matter <laughs> advice, go. you know, they have to make up their own mind.
0: That advice doesn't get any better, because you let them be who they w- wanted to be.
2: Best which advice. is harder than it sounds. Yeah, it really. sure is. But it, it, But in the end, yeah. it's kind of simple.
0: So here we are on our last question. It's going to be so sad for us to say goodbye to you. But we ask each of our guests, what
2: is the biggest parenting myth? For me, I would say the biggest parenting myth is that boys are not emotional. You know, I raised two sons and, you know, they were a mess frankly (laughs) I mean middle school was as nightmarish for boys as it was for girls and high school can be just as difficult and I think we sort of put boys in a box where they don't talk or they're unemotional or nothing things just roll off their back or oh they just deal with it but I really saw them you know struggle with things where they were bullied you know they have body issues they don't make the team or they worry about you know why the girl won't go out with them like they're they're just as emotionally vulnerable and fragile as girls they may show it in a different way like they're not crying all the time but uh like my friends who have girls say oh my gosh they just cry but there is there's a there's a lot of emotional fragility there so that that's something I definitely learned as a parent
1: that is excellent as the mother of two boys and Sue has two boys too that it that is just excellent. So we are so happy that you joined us today and I wouldn't be myself if I didn't put a plug for you having a sixth sister and I'm really close <laughs> to my sister so you'd really have to have both of us. So you guys can talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. But we're really fun and really sweet and really smart. And so, you know, if you think about expanding the family, oh, Sue's looking at me like, why did I leave her in the dust? I guess we'd have to take her and Ellen too. Okay. So there'd be nine of us, but (laughs) we can all operate from our closet. So thank you. It was a real pleasure. And um, say hi to your sisters. I feel like I know them. I will. (laughs) Thank
2: you. And, you know, that's the point of the satellite sisterhood is that it is ever expanding. So Absolutely. maybe maybe not a Dolan sister, but definitely a satellite
1: sister. <laughs> Love it. All right. Have a great one. Thanks for joining us for the Your Team podcast. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at
0: yourteenmag.com. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer, Michael D. Aloia, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can find
1: more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere
0: you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, if you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. Help other parents find our podcast. We'll see you next time.